Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome, welcome, dear listener, to another episode of the Guitar Nerds Podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by 40 Watt Podcasts, Philip Carter. Well, howdy. Well, howdy indeed. Hello, Philip. Welcome back. Hello, Yosef. How are you, sir? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. It's good to have you back on, uh, on Guitar Nerds for 2024. Yeah, first episode of 2024, um, after you know I did all the yelling about amps on Gear of the Year. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, feeling real good about those episodes. I think we did well. It, it was a yeah. It was the best gear of the year. I had a really good time. Um, I I talked to Charles from Silk Tone while I was at in at Nam. Actually, he wasn't at Nam. I was at um. They they do this. Chase Bliss does this like effector market at a, a yes. brewery on Saturday, and so I went there. And I was sitting across from Charles just chatting. Um, before I realized who he was and he realized who I was, it was great. And like the first thing, first thing he said after he realized who I was, thank you for gear of the year for amps. So like, yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There you go. Wow. Well, we were, we were actually, dear listener, we were talking just before we started about, and there's something obviously, you know, you, you'll have noticed, dear listener, that the title of this podcast is Amps and Boards. We can't not talk about amps uh, when we've got, philip on the podcast and i want to talk about pedal boards anyway i'm digressing we were talking about before this podcast about your new mini pedal board philip which is pretty chase bliss heavy you're actually just uh just it, it is a wild pedals. thing i'm uh i've gotten i i've discovered as much as i love giant pedal boards and like every flavor of drive and having everything you know and, and switchers and wildness i hate using them I absolutely hate using them. I, I Is it you hate using switches? Do you hate being tied into particular sounds rather than being able to create freely? I hate using switchers. I hate having to worry too much about all the little things that honestly a lot of people never think about, but it's in my head and I know it, so I can't stop thinking about things like the way pedals interact with each other, impedance, the way you know, the way things flow, and then you got to worry about a bunch of cables. Like once you introduce a <sighs> ton of cables and points of failure even with great cables, yeah. Um I, there's extra stress. I don't want it. I want like as few cables as possible. So I've got this idea. Um, I have, I bought used last year when I was building a big board actually. Yeah. 
Um, I remember I that. The, yeah, it, yeah, that lasted all of like a day. Um, <laughs> you really did. I feel like <laughs> you sent me a picture of this finished massive board deal list with like an ESA as the brain and then all of this stuff. And it was uh, an Alder and Ash like custom pedal board. And then like the next day you were like, I'm, I'm selling it. I'm building a mini board. Dude, it stressed me out so bad that I knew that I had to tear it apart. And I, I got it all put together and was like, yes, it's done. I hate this. Sell everything. And I, <laughs> I sold the board. I sold the ES8. I mean, I lost I lost money on it. Don't get me wrong. I bought all that stuff used. So I didn't lose too much money. Um, the big loss was all the cabling that I yeah. bought and made. So I still got all the cabling here because I'm not going to try to sell used cables I soldered myself. Sure. No, but, they're but, handy. Yeah. But, but the but actually on the on the on the cable front, I always find like um, Tim, the guitarist in my band, who is uh, has loads of gear, is you know super technical, but he's not he's not into stuff in the same way. He loves using it. He does he doesn't care about buying the next thing every every time. Sure. When when he built his board, I was like, oh, here you go. I'll give you all this uh, this custom cabling so you can cut everything and make it all neat and tidy. And he found, having gigged that stuff, that the cut-to-measure cables break. They're not reliable. Um, and whenever there was a problem, it was those cables. Yeah. And it's what I tell everyone. It's always a cable. Yeah. It's always yeah. a cable. But it's, it's, it especially seems to be the ones that you cut to size. And uh, uh, he uses now, has gone back to, he just buys those big multi-packs that you could get like on Amazon of multicolored cables at different lengths because he knows he's got something for every situation and it tends to be an easy fix if something goes down, but rarely does. Yeah. So I know that we, we are guitar nerds, dear listener, and I, I get that I don't use that stuff, but I thought it was really funny to to see, I guess, how every, you know, every YouTuber and bedroom guitar player with a huge board and incredibly neat cable tidied built to measure cables doesn't have the, those sort of players probably don't use them in the application of touring and when it comes to touring actually just need something to work and be functional so having it cable tied down or it, you know neatly yeah. put away is is counterproductive what you want to be able to do is whip that out very quickly if there's an issue and change it to, for something yeah, at at the risk of of promoting of giving someone free advertising, which I, well, I they they sort of pay for advertising on my podcast, so it's fine. Um, I've switched over to using uh, listeners won't be able to see this, but I've switched over to using Tour Gear Design oh, patch yeah. cables. They look great. A really small footprint. They are the smallest footprint on the market. You can't. You literally can't get any smaller and still be able to use them. Wow. Um, so, <laughs> and they offer. So many different lengths, and they offer them in uh, like what they call S configuration and C configuration. So the oh. direction of the the direction of the plugs themselves. So you're not twisting the cable too much. Exactly. So you're not twisting the cables. You never have to twist the cable. And oh, they boy. offer them in so many lengths. And uh, I I I messaged them so much when I was I had Marco from from Torga Designs on the podcast. And uh, since then, I messaged him and messaged, like, bugged him. I was like, you need longer options. Like, they didn't have uh, – when I was using a, a slightly bigger board, and uh, those listeners, you who do the thing that I do, you do all your drives on the front row and then your time and modulation on the back row, and you've got to get from that bottom left corner to the upper right corner of your pedal board. It's always the longest yeah. uh, cable oh, run. Yeah. 
they didn't have anything long enough. So I was having to use a connector, like a barrel connector to connect two cables to get that, to get that run. Well, now they, they offer them in lengths that are, you could run like the biggest pedal train and get across it now. So I go with them. What was that brand again? Cause I'd not heard of them. Tour gear designs. Right. And they, um, they're super robust. They, I've never, I've not had one fail on me yet. Um, smallest design possible. They have heard them so many sizes. And, uh, if you, uh, put 40, uh, 40 watt in the, uh, code, you get 10% off. There you go, dear listener. Look at that advertising on your podcast. I apologize. No, not at all. That's actually kind of exactly what I needed. I've been, uh, been looking for something with a really small profile and I've got some, (laughs) the Ernie Ball patch cables tend to be what I go for, but they are expensive. I mean, they, they I, are. I've, I've no idea what the price of these ones are, but the, the only bull ones feel especially pricey when I can only buy them in packs of whatever it's like three or six and you get, you know, two of the small ones, two of the medium, two of the long, and you have to buy uh-huh. them like that. And I just end up with surplus amounts of the small ones because I rarely need that size. I just rather my money was going towards the specific cables that I need. Oh sure, no, that makes total sense. I um, they're 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 pricey. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not. I, I won't tell you they're not pricey because you know you're paying for a pretty well made quad uh, product. Of um, course, but uh, you can buy them in singles or three packs. Um, what I did is I just put a bunch of money uh away, you know, scrolled away like 150, 200 bucks, and I bought a metric ton of them. I bought as <laughs> much much as I could. Milk that ten percent discount, uh, and uh, I uh, I have a whole bunch just ready to go whenever I need them because I got tired of not having a cable when I needed it. So I bought a bunch of lengths, a bunch of arrangements, Smart. and that it's a it's a worthy investment if you're into pedal boards and you're into building pedal boards and you're constantly changing your pedal boards, putting more stress on those cables every time you're moving them around. Just buy a bunch of good cables. Just put some money away, buy a bunch of good cables, and never have to worry about it. They also offer, um, which is, this was pretty new, and I'm super excited about it because I'm starting to use an expression pedal more. Um, they offer TRS and TS. So oh. you've got you got tons of options there. <clears throat> but, so, of course, now I have all those cables, and my new pedal board is going to have all of three pedals on it. So <laughs> you, you literally need two patch cables for yeah. the board. <laughs> well, I may I may set it up to be able to run stereo. Oh, yeah. uh, when I want to, but I found a stupid good deal on a used uh, Line Six HX FX. Um, I found, uh, Such a good pedal. It it just makes sense. It just works. That's that's the trick. It just works. So I'm going to run the CXM. Uh, I'm sorry. We'll start with the beginning. Uh, I'm going to run the preamp Mark II, the Chase Bliss, into the HX Effects, and then I'm going to run the um, Chase Bliss 1978 CXM reverb in stereo into the loop of the HX Effects, so I can right. move it around and put it. Wherever oh, I want that's it. smart. So you're not just putting, <clears throat> not just going in a simple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That that that's cool. I mean, we were when we were talking about this uh, before the podcast. I was saying also, don't forget that HXFX has great, really intuitive, easy MIDI controllability as well. Yes. And because you can control those lovely faders, those mechanical faders on the Chase Bliss pedals, because you can control those via MIDI, right? Um, which is very handy because, of course, whilst the preset button is great, uh, you are scrolling, and scrolling isn't very helpful live. 
No, it's it really isn't. I don't know. We'll see if I need to use it in that way, if I need to be flipping settings that quickly. Uh, my guess is for the stuff I do, I'm not. But I could understand where there is uh, an allure and a draw to it because it puts everything really, really accessible really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, we're gonna we're gonna talk about more about um, pedal boards a little later in the podcast when we move on to the main topic. Before we do, I wanted to talk about the sound sample of the of the week. Um, so straight off the bat, I finally, after having these for a couple of weeks, I've got rounds to messing around with the uh, the diamond pedals that I bought. Now that now that diamond are back as a brand, being built by Solid Gold Effects. Um, but you know it's wonderful to have this company back and i picked up the bass compressor and eq pedal and the tremolo and they are both very very good i think the great what what i i really love diamond pedals for being really um you know proper like utility pedals i love that they're simple i love that there's no graphics or artwork that sort of modern trend for things which is totally fine looks great a lot of the time i just love how simple they are it's just always just a color the diamond logo the names of the controls and crucially the names of the controls aren't ridiculous things like everyone wants to do these days they just say what the control does (laughs) which is great but um they always manage to add a little bit more to their effects so the 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 bass compressor eq has a level control which makes sense and a compression level control which i really like i like it when people just go this is the compression you're not messing around with like a balancing ratio and threshold and things like that they've just they've decided what this pedal sounds like and you're just controlling how much of that you want which is kind of nice then the other two controls your eq controls which are mids and a tilt and they also have a little switch, a little mini switch, which is uh, like uh, the tilt frequency. So you're flicking between 250, 900, and 500. Uh, f- yeah, that's correct. That's weird. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, so you're just choosing sort of how pronounced those mids are, stroke scooped they are, which is great. I mean, just having a mids control on like a bass compressor is really interesting rather than it being bass and treble. Often, like, you look at things like the Sans Amp bass driver and mids is the control that's missing from that, you know? It's yeah. just bass and treble. I really like that they just... You, what you're doing with mids is you can scoop it, modern sound. You can boost it, retro sound. And those are the two bass sounds, essentially. Yeah. Uh, boost is always the way to go, personally, but um, I'll, I'll live on that hill. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think mid, mids in bass uh, sound really, really good. Uh, I think I hate it when bass disappears. I remember listening to, um, I, do you remember the 90s, late 90s, early Barely. 2000s artist Edwin McCain? <laughs> he had that big uh, hit with I'll Be, a big ballad singer, right? Right, okay. Um, well, before his record label tried to turn him into a ballad singer, um, he was really this soulful, funky New Orleans vibe singer songwriter. Um, and so he had a first album called uh, Jester's Dreamers and Thieves. I think that was the title. That may have been a song on it. I can't right. remember. Okay. And it has got some of the funkiest bass sounds and tones on that album. I don't I don't remember who the bassist was, but I remember listening to that record and a but and a, a bassist buddy of mine listening to it. And the bass is really mid forward. It's really, really 
um, present in the mix because it's 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 really really nice. And he said, "I would shoot any engineer that made my bass sound like that." I said, "Are you kidding? That's the way bass should sound." <laughs> I was like, "That's it." What do you think? It was a, a real sort of the like the nineties. We had a lot of um, uh, like fretless bass was uh, was prominent in a lot of pop stuff. I feel like we had. Um, uh, oh. Peter Gabriel was uh, like, <laughs> you know, like his his was sort of primary solo record time, and it was just all everyone wanted like mid pushed fretless bass that was uh, just going all over the top of everything. And pop, <laughs> yes, which uh, everybody uh, wanted it to sound like I don't know growly upright bass all the time. That yeah, was what they wanted. exactly. Oh, that's cool. I could get behind that. Yeah, um, yeah, but well, the the you know this this diamond bass compressor, dear listener, will absolutely let you do that. I, I think it's a great bass compressor. Um, the sound sample that we'll play, I, I've uh, I'm using both pedals, so there's a bass and a guitar and things like that uh, going on. I've got like the compression maxed out, so it's quite a subtle compressor because even with the compression maxed out, it sounds great, it sounds like mm-hmm. how I want it. But you know, like. Um, the with it maxed out it's kind of a bit like a medium setting on a boss cs2 almost you know so there's other compressors have a lot more not that you'd necessarily want that i feel like they voiced it to be very tasteful it's just i tend to err on the extremes of those but really really great compressor pedal Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Stringjoy Guitar Strings, the world's first true guitar string custom shop. The thing that I love most about Stringjoy is just their attention to detail, their dedication to making their strings the best in the world. And that's a a labour-intensive task that they don't shy away from. Stringjoy are also innovative. They're always looking for new ways to make strings better. As guitar players, we've become so used to all the shortfalls of commercially available strings that we stopped even looking for them to be better, last longer, intonate well, easily. Stringjoy bring all of that to every pack of strings they make, and they're available almost as readily as any other generically made guitar string. Stringjoy strings are available at stringjoy.com and at 400 plus dealers across the globe. If your local store doesn't stock Stringjoy yet, ask them to. But obviously, for bass players, the Diamond Tremolo. This is an extraordinarily good pedal, and and kind of the same thing because um, I guess what I'm talking about with the bass compressor is, aren't those controls interesting and unique and not necessarily what you expect on a bass compressor? And exactly the same can be said of the Diamond Tremolo. Obviously, you have a volume control and a speed control, um, which uh, you'd expect. But then they have a notched rhythm rotary control, which essentially gives you access to uh boss slicer like different tremolo rhythms which i wasn't expecting on a on <laughs> sort of a, a normal foot switch a normal uh footprint like that and then the dpt which i haven't looked up what that stands for what, what that that rotary control does which is uh oh i guess it's depth, depth. <laughs> <laughs> there we go i got there in the end <laughs> um and it again has a little dip switch um which allows you to switch modes and i'll bring up um, what they've said about it because um, uh, because it's got quite a lot going on. So you've got three distinct trem flavors in one pedal. Um, uh, at its core, the Diamond Tremolo offers classic amp-style optical 
um, tremolo, but you can add modulation with a sine, a shark fin, and a square waveform. Um, and further enhance the pedal with a modern FET chopper um, preset as well on there. So it's really interesting being able to get not only kind of a vintage style throbby tremolo, but also be able to get some really modern, super choppy um, tremolo with rhythm style. So you can do the slicer thing as well. But, you know, the slicer, as great as that pedal is, 90% of it, it feels like stuff that you don't need. Like yeah. uh, this, this seems to just have the right amount of weird stuff to standard stuff. Like you can't use the slicer for normal tremolo. It won't do it. So unless you're into crazy tremolo, then you wouldn't get a slicer. Whereas this will kind of do both things. It will be retro and, and vintage sounding, and it will be very, very modern um, rhythmic sounding as well. Really good. I can't get enough of them. You've got the drive, right? Uh, yeah. I So I got the drive. Um, I actually, uh, is an interesting story how I ended up with it, but neither here nor there. Um, the uh, I really like it. I haven't spent enough time with it. it. It's one of those things that I didn't intend to get. I got it when I didn't intend to get. I, I donated some money to a giveaway to uh, help someone who was having to have a heart transplant uh, in the in the community gear community. And uh, part of the giveaway, like if you donated X amount of money, you want got entries, and I ended up getting drawn to to get it because oh, Diamond cool. don- Diamond donated or solid gold effects actually donated pedals for this giveaway to raise money for, for this good cause, um, which is great. I actually ended up winning two pedals in that giveaway, which is great. I love solid gold effects in general. They make Um, such great stuff and they're lovely people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Obviously. I mean, but I I ended up with the, uh, the Commodore, which is the, their solid gold effects drive that has the faders on it. That that's basically a blues breaker, but with faders, uh, and and I got the Diamond Drive, uh, which I I think it sounds great. I love that I love that Diamond is back. I'm g- not gonna lie, I miss the bigger enclosures yeah. just because that's who I am. Yeah. Um. I also am sad, and I'm I'm hoping this is something they will do later. I'm really hoping they'll bring back their vibrato pedal because oh, I never knew they did a vibrato. Pedal. The Diamond vibrato. Uh. So. Uh, even Dan over at uh, the, the that pedal show says it is his favorite vibrato of all time. They didn't bring it back, and the cheapest one on Reverb right now is eight hundred and fifty dollars. Oh my god, the Vib the one. one. Here we yeah. are. Let's see what the what I can get get one for this side of the pond. I mean, they didn't turn up this side of the pond that much anyway before. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking at sort of prices that they've got. It will go for, you know, Reverb do that, uh, uh-huh. what they've gone for in the past, somewhere between 289 and 463 pounds. But with, uh, yeah, the last couple that have sold, which have all been uh, last month actually, mm-hmm. went for 413 pounds, 516. Uh, there was a 289 and a 442. Oh, gutted if you were the person that sold it for 289. What were you right. doing? Yeah, and it's like so. Looking down at that for our, for the U.S., um, it is four of them have sold last month, uh, or sorry, in the last month, right? And they sold the final price was five hundred and thirty five, three fifty, six twenty five, and five hundred. So, 
Um, the price right now is a little bit of an anomaly, but they're still expensive. Yeah, yeah that's a lot of money for a vibrato pedal when, yeah. you know, you can pick up uh, the the JHS one, the Emperor, or the the um, the Boss VB2 for, you know, £150. <laughs> exactly, for, for almost nothing. Uh, yeah. I mean, basically, or as JHS says, the price of a cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I'm hoping they'll bring that one back. Mm, um, yeah, I, I know that it makes sense not to have everything released all at once. Uh, you're not bringing everything back instantly. You're rebuilding the company a little bit. And yeah. So we'll see what Solid Gold Effects does, but I'm just really glad Dime, especially glad that the memory lane is back as well. The delay, yeah, it's such a good one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you if you want a uh, an electro harmonics memory man, but you'd like it to work, then this is you know it is the solution. Oh, I love the electro harmonics pedals, but no yeah. one ever wants to step on them. You've got to use them with a switcher if you're going to be heavy handed with them. That one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, but um, but yeah. So I've built a little demo using uh, um, both of these pedals. Uh, I am running my uh, Fidelity Stellarosa bass for the bass. I've got like uh, these really old round wounds uh, on there that I that I kept outside for a little while, like just the strings. So and then I cleaned like the rust off and I put them back on and uh, they're so good they sound <laughs> so good now so it's uh it's it's that on the fidelity and all you all you've got is like a b15 amp sim and then the compressor on the front end so i'm not doing any compression in the daw at all it's all coming from the diamond pedal um and then uh there are a few guitars uh like like two or three guitars all with slightly different tremolo settings which maybe made it a little messy and that's just on uh um the fender american vintage telecaster the 52 telly with green pickups custom 51 style uh, bridge pickup is used for everything here's the sound sample i had so much fun the tremolo is one of the best tremolos i've ever played go there you go the diamond tremolo and the diamond bass compressor slash eq joe we we need to talk about it. it's been talked about in the, the the facebook group how just ridiculously catchy and good your demos are <laughs> oh, that's, it, that's very you nice have a real say. talent at this <laughs> i think i think, I think nice you might want to consider a career oh wait no that wouldn't be a career <laughs> change would it? yeah okay. exactly that's uh yeah it comes from years of just uh like well not that i, I think i'm okay at it as long as i stay within my 
small area of uh, of being you know of, of knowing what to do can't do any any of the shreddy stuff you know i'm no uh rabia well, or joss allen so so here's the deal the majority of guitar players can't do the shreddy stuff. No, the majority of guitar players want to hear it the way they would play it. Exactly. I can play guitar <laughs> as well as I want to play guitar, but then that's, you know, like I'm a massive Neil Young fan. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> so I love a one note guitar solo, but, uh, but yeah, the, um, they're really good. They're really, really good pedals. Um, I will say, like, the only problem I ever have, and I, I, I need to listen to one of my demos actually on the podcast after it goes out. So I assume it's fine on, like, Spotify and everything. But when you and me listen back to that, Philip, now, it, like, oh, yeah. sums it to mono when we're listening to it on the call. And, and it makes, when I put more than one guitar on, and they're obviously all panned so you can clearly hear them, when it sums to mono, I'm like, well, I can't, everything's a mess. But, uh, <laughs> But I, I obviously, when I'm, I remove the audio, dear listener, that me and Philip here in this podcast, and I pop back in a WAV that's properly stereo. So I assume you get a good. Uh, I assume like Spotify and things like that don't resum to mono, but I've right no idea. Well, well, that means also, Joe, when you do that, I need you to make sure that it syncs with my head bobbing because I was bobbing <laughs> my head along, and uh, it's going to look real bad if I'm like. <laughs> bobbing my head on like some awkward syncopated upbeat <laughs> oh actually well on the video because i realized on the first one i was like it's just so weird having like a minute and a half of us just sitting listening so i just put like a screen up that has uh, oh. like a picture of whatever the thing is being demoed i do that oh good the, uh... good perfect <laughs> <laughs> that way that way nobody thinks that i have zero sense of rhythm whatsoever <laughs> But yes, yeah, so that was Sound Sample of the Week, dear listener. Diamond Pedals, they're so good. Please go and check them out. Um, they're obviously very premium pricey, but they're uh, really, really great examples of everything they do, always with it. They're just a little chef's kiss on what the controls are and how you can make the most out of it. I'm a, and a I, I know you say pricey, but I mean, like the drive is what, 209 uh, US? <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, it's pricey, but it's also sort of feels like the the level for like a well-made non-budget drive pedal. That's De- like the def- price point. Definitely. I, I appreciate that's where all that st- where boutique stuff has gone. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I guess when I'm thinking about, you know, uh, like how much a Thorpe FX pedal costs, they're, they're normally around 300 pounds. And I, I always use Thorpe FX as like the benchmark of uh, um, boutique stuff, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, and they're less than a Thorpe FX pedal, so they are. <laughs> <laughs> but but more than a tube screamer. Yeah. So, more than a boss know. pedal, less than a Thorpe FX. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, uh, that's the deal. But, awesome. Uh, but yes, yeah. So uh, let's have a little chat about uh, what the, the title of this week's podcast, which was Amps and Boards. Um, I wanted to talk, hopefully, without doing too much stepping over any previous podcasting that you've been on post-NAM. Yeah. But obviously, well, you got thankfully, I'm not, so. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, great. But but you, uh, you obviously got to go to NAM, and yeah. you had an, a special focus on walking around and checking out some of the new interesting amplifiers that were uh that were out and about now i me and matt sort of briefly mentioned certainly the you know the gibson things that came out but you would have got to take a look at these there are a handful of other brands as well well let's let's stop let's let's talk about some of them what were the cool amplifiers that you got to check out at nam 2024 
so uh, in full disclosure about my Nam experience, it's it's weird. I, and I had this conversation with someone after um, where they were like, oh, what what cool stuff did you see? Like, what was the thing? I was like, I spent most of my time meeting people. And oh. because I run a interview or conversation based podcast, yeah. I actually found that I listened or looked at a lot less gear than I expected. Uh, but it also yeah. felt like there weren't as many like big splash releases this year. Definitely. Definitely what Matt and I were saying on our NAM roundup was yeah. uh, it was great. It looks like it was brilliant. It looks like NAM was back in force. Everyone seemed to have a fantastic time. Yeah. But, you know, I think uh, even like my partner Emma was asking, like, what, you know, what were the, what was the big thing from NAM? I'm like, huh. Well, yeah, because like last <laughs> April, last April, everyone was buzzing. Literally everyone was buzzing about the T-Rex Echo Wreck, right? right? Yeah, sure. Like, yeah. And I, I did get to see that. They had that again, talked with their their artist they had playing whose name is slipping my mind right now. Um, and it's super cool. I want one. It's so inconvenient and it's so expensive and ridiculous, but I, it doesn't change that I want one. But there wasn't – I didn't feel like there was anything that like everyone had to see and find out about. There were a bunch of cool releases – um, I feel like the biggest release, at least for me, was something that wasn't even released at NAM. So Gibson did a pre-NAM um, media event at their LA showroom. And so I drove down to that um, on the Wednesday before NAM, uh, and they had all their new releases. They had all the stuff they're going to be releasing here, I guess, in the first couple of quarters, including the Dave Grohl 335, the Epiphone. Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Isotope and Native Instruments, two companies who provide the bulk of the recording and editing tools used by Guitar Nerds. If you have a home studio or if you're thinking about getting into demo recording from home, then Isotope and Native Instruments provide the tools that you need to make premium quality recordings with ease and with virtually no equipment other than your guitar and laptop. Isotope make all the voice editing and audio repair tools that I use for the podcast each week and Native Instruments guitar rig 7 is one of the best, most comprehensive collections of virtual effects and guitar amplifiers available anywhere. Use discount code NERDS10 on any product in the Isotope and Native Instruments catalogue for 10% off their fantastic range of tools. And I got to play that. Actually, I think I managed to have the first video of it out, period. Really? Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Congratulations. I I, yeah, you I, won it, YouTube bingo. Right? So, um... But it it plays great. I've already got one on order. I think they're amazing. I, I have to have that guitar. Um, I actually think the best releases from Gibson this year are all Epiphones. So wow. they're releasing uh, bringing a, back the Firebird, aren't they? Firebird One. They're bring they're putting out a, a Firebird One. They're also putting out a um, <clears throat> a Firebird Five with the Vibrola. Um, Oh, I didn't know that. In some pretty cool finishes. Actually, I'm going to do the thing because I I actually still have the information sheets right next to my desk for some reason. (laughs) Um, It's just because I don't don't throw anything away. So they're putting out the Firebird, the 63 Firebird 1 in Silver Mist, Heather Poly, and Inverness Green. Wow, that's amazing because that only existed as a Joe Bonamassa signature model exactly. um, before then. It, and it goes for heavy money. I, like uh, big it money. Was, I remember working at GAC when they came out and me and Matt were like, oh, we should get one. We, you know, we were both so close and we didn't. And they were, mm-hmm. they, I think they would have cost us like 600 quid with staff discount oh, at the time. And gosh. now 
Now they're like over a grand on the second hand market. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, you're good. No, it, I think that's a very valid point. They're also putting out a 63 Firebird 5, which the with the Vibrola, and it comes in frost blue and ember red. And here's one for What's you, though, Joe. Uh, you know, I don't, ha- I didn't get to see a sample uh. of it, and it. And I've only got a small square on the info sheet. Oh, right? I see. Uh, show me the color, so I, I can't oh, really tell you. Okay, I think Ember Red looks like a. I found a custom shop Firebird Five in Ember Red. Mm-hmm. Um, it is like a maroon esque. It's not a metallic color. It looks like a flat color. Um, okay, kind of reminds me of like a darker cardinal. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, I'm finding it now as well. Okay. That's not a bad color. It's not no, the one I'm excited about. No. Yeah. I think the frost blue look, which is the version I got to see and play is right. amazing. Um, but here's the real fun one. They're bringing out a 64 Epiphone Thunderbird with brand new design pickups that have never been existed before. Um, they're oh, calling really? them the, the pro bucker 760 base humbucker. Um, right. it's coming in silver mist, ember red and Invernus green. There's not officially a price point on this, but actually yesterday I was on a live stream with, or as we record this yesterday with Steve from 60 cycle hum. And I looked it up. I found a dealer who had accidentally listed it too early. Right. And so <laughs> now they had taken the page down, but the Google search had cashed the price and ah. it was eight, eight forty nine us. Okay. And it comes with a, gig, a premium gig bag, so that's actually you know most of the time Epiphone doesn't come no, with a case no, of gig of bag. So are um, those pickups Chrome? Then are they yes. kind of so that's the same sort of pickups that they sort of they they <laughs> flirt with doing Chrome pickup versions every now and again. Unfortunately, yeah. often on the cheaper Epiphone models, which yes. I worry has made bass players associate Chrome pickups on Thunderbirds with the cheaper. The cheap. But, I um, hope not. It was a lot of fun to play. I did yeah. not plug that one in when I was at, because honestly, I was too busy playing the um, Dave Grohl. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of there's a couple of interesting Gibson releases, but it, they're really not. I don't think there was anything that was like hair on fire excited about. Like not I was excited about by the Gibson episode. mod. No, not really. Um, they did the they've done the new studio lights, which I think are great to, for an affordable. Uh, yeah. American made Gibson um, affordable in quotation marks listeners. You know, we understand. I I think I've been on this show enough that everyone understands what I mean when I say affordable. Um, (laughs) But, you know, they're also doing, they're re-releasing the J45 acoustic in a Rosewood model instead of just the mahogany. And they they brought out another slash guitar. Um, Didn't they the, do a whole range of acoustics all in uh, in like a an ebony in black. finish? In yes, black. that yes. looks very good. Like uh, those look good. great. Um, but I mean, they're they're good, and I'm glad they exist. But they're not like they're not showstoppers. I exactly, they're not showstoppers. Um, so I'm I'm really excited about those. But I did get to play while I was there the new Falcon series of amps, yes. and I've been critical of these amps, and I'm I'm still mildly critical. I, well, I think the, they could be built to a higher right, but I mean it's a PCB right amp in the shame. same pr- yeah exactly in in the same price range. Let's be honest, as the PCB Fender amps, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, Fender just have the history of people accepting <laughs> they're good. You know, when Gibson released a PCB amp when they've not done it before. Yeah, I guess. Oh, one of the interesting things, and I was talking about this with Matt, and I was taking it straight from the Gibson. Um, 
press release was, yeah, you know what I'm going to say. That yeah. They were saying uh, Gibson's first amp since 1964 or whenever it was. And I was and like, that's my a goodness, load of that's horse crazy. hockey. Yeah. That's a horse hockey. They completely ignored the fact that they put out amps in the late 90s and early 2000s designed by Trace Elliott under the Gibson Gold Tone uh, moniker. Like, wow. they... They put out these amps. They were there for like 10 years, <laughs> just ignoring that they existed in their own press. Wow. Like, what are you doing? It's, it's the most Gibson thing. It's such a Gibson thing. We're just going to put like the people at Gibson don't even know what's in their own catalog. That's how messy the Gibson catalog is from the last 20 years oh, or so. Yeah. I was like, because I mean, there's like multiple for sale near me and I've thought about picking one up. There's a, <laughs> there's a GA 15 RVT. I think, oh, I think I got that model number correct. Um, but it's essentially, it's a 15 watt one by 12 with reverb and tremolo. Great. That's um, kind of what you want. Yeah, exactly. And um, probably six V sixes in there. Uh, probably EL 84s, to be honest. Yeah. They did a lot of EL 84 amps in that line. And the, it's one of those where the, the amp chassis is actually accessible on the back, not on the top or the front. And it's mounted to the bottom of the cabinet. So they did everything was like old school, like almost import amp style where all the controls are on the like the floor side of the amp on the back the floor side yeah so if uh so if you pull, pull up one of the gibson gold tone amps um i'm gonna even put in back panel so that i can explain this a little better um and do an image search you can flip it around you can see that all of the controls are at the bottom of the cabinet right so yeah so tubes are face it's basically like a head except they put a Speaker above it, um, it's like a mar how Marshall is mounted to the bottom of the cabinet instead yeah, yeah. of the top of the head. I, I never realized how hard this is to describe. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's know if you're getting it, dear listener. It's basically yeah. yeah, the controls are at the bottom, like the last place you will ever go to get to those yes. controls. You have to reach all the way around the back of the amp, the very bottom. It's it's a retro design. I get it. Yeah. Um, but it, it was apparently so bad, Gibson decided to forget they exist. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, they're they're a PCB amp. Um, they do have another one coming that they let us play. I was told there's no embargo, so I can talk about this. Wonderful. Um, I did ask. So they've got the Falcon Five, which yeah. is a seven watt amp. Um, they've got the Falcon Twenty, which is a twelve or fourteen yeah. watt amp. Yeah. They've also got the Falcon. The Dual Falcon 40 that is coming. And I got to play that one. And that is essentially, uh, I have the sheet here, but I'm not going to look at the wattage because I know that it's not 40. Let's be honest. <laughs> they've set they've set a standard. Um, yeah. So, but what it is, is a two-channel amplifier with two identical channels. So you can set them however you want them. Oh, I like and that. It, it, it is reminiscent of the way Mesa Boogie did the Fillmore series. Yeah, I did my favorite. The, the amplifier that changed my mind about Mesa Boogie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, and I played them. They sound great, y'all. I'm not going to lie. They do sound really, really good. I played the five watt one. If you go over uh, to my Instagram and go back through my reels a little bit, you can find me playing the the DG335 through the, the, the small one. Um, and I've got the wattage down to its lowest setting as well so it's cranked and it's just it's just fun 
It's 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 a great sounding amp. They're a little pricey for what they are. I think sure. They, yeah, what are they hitting? Like what are they hitting in US dollars? Because I think see. it was like it was like something like sixteen hundred quid for the for the medium sized one. I think for the gigging yeah. one, and I was like, oh, that's it's just slight. I just wanted that down a, a touch. It's sort of just airing a bit too close. Or you know, I can get a victory amp for that. Right. You know, and so uh, the the Falcon Five is the 110 combo it is fifteen hundred dollars and for the falcon 20 which is a 12 watt combo is eighteen hundred dollars and so the the it's a it's a little on the pricier end of things they've also made those dangerously close like uh price wise like dangerously close for the to, yes. to really hurt the sales of the smaller one i agree i i think that that smaller one and if it had come in at like 11 or 1200 yeah i think they'd have just a monster sale on their on their hands. I agree. I I don't know that fifteen hundred is going to be the price point that gets it gets it going for them. No, you, but, you've got to really love a five watt amp to spend that sort of money on it. Exa- exactly. A harmonica player, maybe, but you know, a harmonica player is not going to go. Sorry, as a blues guy, I instantly go to like way blues players use amps. Yeah, um, sure. And if a, a harmonica player is going to spend fifteen hundred dollars, they're probably not going to buy this amp. They're probably going to buy. Um, something i don't know with a little more like character yeah uh not saying these don't have character but i mean like a vintage amp or like something that's a little uh, harmonica players in particular seem to like really obscure weird amps um yeah normally with some sort of snake skin finish yes (laughs) (laughs) Yes. i hate that that's a thing but that's a thing so but yeah so i I got really excited about those i think they're good i think a lot of people are going to end up playing and buying them um, I, I don't know that they're absolutely remarkable though. I mean, I think they're cool, but to, you know, shifting to some other amps, I did get a chance to check out and see that I do think are a little more remarkable. Uh, the rev amps are cool. Uh, I'm not going to lie. The rev, uh, rev put out two amps within two days. Um, and while I can't even tell you the model numbers, cause that, that's not my vibe. That's not amps. I really pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, Rev has not made an amp that's bad, as far as I'm aware. They're so, very, very good at what they do. They just uh, they tend to be slightly more modern than maybe you or I go taste wise. Exactly. Uh, isn't the is it the Generator G50 that's their new amplifier, which is v- very much them doing a Mesa style thing? Maybe right? I, I yeah. think they did the Generator 120. Oh, and maybe the D25 are the new ones. I don't quote me on that. Right. Right. Um. I do think the 120 is is the new one. So it's it's the big boy. They they brought out a, a new like giant wattage amplifier. Uh, Rev is obviously in that high gain world, and they're just a little more modern than than I play. Um, so we're gonna go to the ones that I did get excited about, but that I will never own. So Martin Kid over at Victory, they gave Martin free reign. To do whatever the hell he wanted. This is and he that's did. so accurate. It's so accurate. That is <laughs> the only the only possible explanation for these amplifiers. They, yeah, so they told him, they said, Hey, I mean, Martin's obviously been known for Cornford uh, amps, which were so well, good. Ex- so incredible, highly regarded. Um, and so and and so he's sort of been designing these amps for victory and they've been great, but they've also been obviously made with price points in mind. 
It's like, what can you make for us that we can sell at this price point? Yeah. So that they can be, well, finally they told him, uh, do what you want. Just, just make the amp you want to make. Y'all, they have made two rock priced victory amps. And so they, they've made two, the MK clean MK being Martin, Martin kid and MK overdrive. The MK Clean starts at uh, forty eight hundred pounds or five thousand oh, dollars. So much money! The MK Overdrive is four nine 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 pounds or fifty one ninety nine US dollars. It's so expensive. But so I was reading through about these amps and like the the fact that I told you before we started recording that just shows you how ridiculous they are. I'm going to read verbatim from the website, y'all. Our MK series amps are available to order in a number of custom finishes, including your choice of panel color, handle, corners, and a wide selection of genuine leather coverings. The leather is exclusively supplied by Muirhead Leather Scottish Leather or Muirhead Scottish Leather, suppliers of leather to the House of Lords, Rolls-Royce, the Orient Express, Aston Martin, and now Victory Amplification. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. <laughs> it's just so insanely exclusive. Like they could have gone just just like go to a it didn't matter where the leather came from like just go there's there's definitely like random you know one one fella leather shops where he sort of like rears the cattle himself and does it but his leather's not going to be half as expensive as the leather they use on the Orient Express and the House of Lords <laughs> I just it's so like half the cost of this amplifier it's, it's is the leather, leather. <laughs> <laughs> so i appreciate I, and I saw them. They look amazing. They, I guess they sound great. I didn't really try to hear things at Nam because it was so loud. Yeah. There's no really hearing any detail at no. all. No. Um, but <laughs> they look beautiful. I'm sure they sound incredible. I did not play them, but I, I have to like, this feels out of left field for victory amplifiers because they've been such a, like staunch here's amps made at a price point that players can you know truly afford yeah i mean uh, they're not and, and cheap but they're not no. super expensive they were they did a great job at being like here is hey do you want something more exclusive than you know buying a vox or a fender here you go here's uh you know these really well built really well designed by a great amp designer that look cool and original um yeah. Exactly. And, and you know they they even in recent times have focused on the affordable, like bringing out the individual pedals, like those those V one pedals that are just you know two hundred pounds. It's They're the fantastic. amplifier and the pedal, the V sevens, which are sort of whatever, like six seven hundred quid, and 
that that is an amp it's a real amp you plug a cab into it you know and they sound great they've been sort of aiming at that more affordable area recently so this yeah it does feel <laughs> crazy but I'm, I'm so brilliant. glad they exist though yeah. <laughs> i'm glad they're here yeah absolutely they're a wonderful oh. showpiece and I'm sure they know it. I'm sure they know that. They're not oh, going to yeah. sell a lot of these. These are going to be purchased by artists at extreme discounts, I imagine, mostly. Mm-hmm. Oh, almost certainly. And and it, I don't know. They look they look great. They sound great. They're super expensive. I'm not going to have one. I realize that's wild. I, listeners, y'all know I'm a, I'm a two rock fan boy. Um, <laughs> but it just. I, I love the idea that they just said, all right, do what you want whatever and it, that's actually been my thing that i like about two rock is that they design the best amplifier they can design first uh-huh. and then figure out how expensive it's going to be but <laughs> yeah. they're also not wrapping it in the most premium leather imaginable on the planet that's that's it it's just the weirdest decision ever but that's it's fine that's fine yeah no, no. very cool um so if any of you listeners do buy one, I'd love to hear your review. <laughs> I also want to know what you do for a living. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah so great. Now, um, we are. I want to come back to the subject of your NAM when we move over onto our Patreon in sure. a quarter of an hour or so. Um, uh, I want to have a chat about some of the guitars you checked out. But first, just uh, because this podcast is titled Amps and Boards, and I did say at the start I wanted to talk a little bit about pedal boards. I want to talk a little bit about pedal boards. Now, <clears throat> I'm very happy. I've used the Boss BCB-1000X. Uh, it's great. Like, I love the telescopic handle and wheels, which mean that I can, you know, comfortably... I, I live, like, in a little village, so I'm like, uh, I'm, like, half an hour away from the train station to get to practice, and then the train station in Brighton is half an hour from the studio. So, you know, there's there's a lot of walking involved. So uh, the, te- the pedal board on a telescopic thing is really saving my arm. Um, which is which is great, but I started just looking around at other other pedal boards. This was all because I saw Jackson Brooksby um, on Instagram. He picked up a new mono pedal board recently, and one of the mono power supplies. He did this little speedy thing where he built a pedal board using it. And oh, that man is so neat. He's so tidy, <laughs> and the pedal board just looks so good. I was like, ah. Oh. I want like a new sort of super neat tidy pedal board and my the BCB1000 is great but it's like it's it's been toured a lot it's knocked around a lot and uh it, it's it's a mess it's messy it's uh, I had to rebolt in sort of an underside it, it doesn't matter it's it's complicated I was looking around for a nice I thought oh maybe I'll grab one of these mono boards with mono power supplies that would be cool um, and they would definitely the, the mono stuff is really really good. It is very premiumly priced. It is, and uh, and that's it's it's. I'm not saying it's not worth the money. I'm saying that I probably have five or six pedal train pedal boards here: a Friedman pedal board, every single size of Boss pedal board, and a couple <laughs> of other. Oh, an Alder and Ash pedal board in the corner. Like I have so many that another one that's costing a bunch of money feels like maybe something I shouldn't do. But I did want to just see what else was out there. What else does that mono thing? And I stumbled across something that I knew existed but have just ignored, Fender pedal boards. And I guess 
dear listener, I ignored Fender doing pedal boards because I didn't especially, I wasn't especially taken with a lot of the Fender pedals. And I've kind of felt every time Fender try and do something different, like I don't like Fender's modern guitars even. I don't like Fender's amps that aren't the amps that, you know, were designed in the 60s. Yeah, It's that sort of thing. I really like what Fender used to do. I don't really like what <coughs> Fender do now. They're still a great brand because they make all that old stuff, but I'm never that interested in their new things. So I just ignored their pedal board as probably being just cheap and standard and stuff. And they did pedal boards and they did power supplies. I had a closer look at their pedal boards and they're probably the best value for money and best pedal board that you can buy at the moment at at the prices that they are. They're doing three sizes, but their pedal boards come not only with sort of slatted areas for you to run cabling through, they've also considered tiny little, uh, I don't know how to describe them, the sort of pedal tidy bits, Philip. How do you? Uh, so they've got, I'm looking at them now. There's um, basically there's a metal loop that they cut out of the surface that goes underneath it that acts like a cable anchor, like an anchor tie. Yeah. And so it's got it attached. You don't have to attach your own little peel off the back and stick this uh, cable tie anchor. It's got anchors built into the bottom of the pedal board. Yeah. Yeah. Which is extremely handy. It's got the pedal. It's got your power supply mount already built into the pedal board, which is something that Gator power board uh, pedal boards have done. That I was really surprised not more people have done. Like it's an adjustable um, for multiple power supplies to mount it underneath without having to do some of the ludicrous things we do to mount pedal board power supplies <laughs> underneath. Yeah, exactly. It's super <clears throat> handy. the 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 mount for the um, for the power supply will fit sort of any you know sort of modern standard power but they haven't made it weird so it just fits theirs it's it's right. suitable for anything they've also added like little rubber stoppered um in and out areas so that you can run cabling into the pedal board and uh-huh. things like that it's very useful they come with a soft bag as well a, a pretty i wish they'd do a hard case but it's fine they do a really robust looking soft bag and then the small size is 125 pounds the medium size is 139 and the large is 179 pounds that is and, and- and for US listeners that means that the small one is $170. It and is, the large one is 270. That is affordable. I even like the anodized aluminum finish that these all come in mm. very much in the style of what Mono had been doing. Uh, See that is that is actually my one and only knock on them. Oh, uh, you don't that, like it. I just I just want black. Just right. give me flat yeah. black. Fair enough, fair enough. <clears throat> but then on top of the um on top of the pedal boards themselves, they introduced their range of engine room power supplies. I know this is old news, dear listener. I've just never really spoken about them just because I really like um, my Chox power supplies. I really like uh, like the MXR ISO brick. But when I was talking to Jackson about his monoboard, he said, oh, the, you know, the only thing is that the um, – uh, the transformers on the outside, so you've got like a thin little cable and it always worries me at gigs. And I realized that, yeah, like I ha- I'm using the MXR Isobrig on my board. Every time I shut my pedal board case, the latches, I'm freaking out that I'm going to cut, that my power cable is going to get cut oh, because it's yeah. a little thin one in there. And it is, a, it is a 
bad design like to have that sort of thing and and it, it it makes me unable to do things very quickly i guess when you're sort of rushing off stage because i'm like oh i have to make sure i don't shut this on the on the on the pedal the engine rooms all all have iec connectors straight out of the power supplies with the transformer built in so it means you've got a nice big thick hefty cable there's nothing thin that's going to get trodden on or uh, or clipped away and then even on the small power supply which is 109 pounds it's offering you five nine volt outputs isolated outputs at 500 milliamps per output so easy to you know you can daisy chain a couple of pedals on that anyway and then just use the small one um if you know if, if you want to do that sort of thing and they do two other sizes of the pedal boards which offer you know a bunch of additional stuff the, the power supplies are super affordable as well and they yeah. match look wise and they fit perfectly into the little bit on the bottom of the pedal board this is such a set like they've really thought this through I, I think it's, I was surprised as you, you, you mentioned this to me and I was like, I didn't know this existed. Right. I didn't, had no idea. Um, <clears throat> and I think they're extremely well built. Um, I, I think, they, I think they thought about a lot of like little things that you tend to pay premium for in some other, uh, other aspects, like the ports where you can add in your ins and outs. Like they've got multiple ports on the board. Some are on the side, some are on the front, depending on which size board you're getting. And you, it doesn't come with the, the in and out you can, but you can buy your own. You can, I've got a whole, like a, I've got a, I've got a bag in a container somewhere that has like a bunch of XLR and quarter inch uh, ins and outs that would fit in there already from past pedal boards. Yeah, You know, another one of those times where I built a giant pedal board and decided I hated it and (laughs) reduced the size. So I got stuck with parts. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I, I guess I'm sure you already knew about this old dear listener, but honestly, I've been sitting around here thinking that pedal train is still, you know, the best standard thing you can get out there if you don't want to spend a bunch of money. Um, I think it might actually be Fender now. Again, I wish there were hard case options. Yes. Um, I I wouldn't I wouldn't take a soft bag on tour. Not not because I, I you know necessarily things are going to get knocked around, but if you're packing a van, it becomes more difficult when you've got sort of soft things to to do that. Um, yeah, but I think that, very- that I think that's the only real um, downfall of them, and and maybe there's some hope that they will eventually offer um, hard cases that fit them. Yeah. I'm over here looking real quickly to see if the how close they are to some of the pedal train sized pedal boards. So maybe a pedal train case will fit uh, if you wanted to get a hard case. Yeah, will fit the um, for example the. Um, it's not quite the same, but the um, the small size fender board is almost the size of the pedal train classic one. Is it? Oh, that's actually it is. I'm I'm over on pedal playground. It is identical size wise to the well. The fender is about three tenths of an inch longer, so you'll have to decide if that has room in the case. But the pedal train junior, the classic junior, is almost identical size to the small. Well, it may fit in the same case. There you go. There you go. But yeah, very good. Very good. Something that Fender did that was great that I didn't even realize. Um, So I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend checking those out, dear listener. 
Now, we're coming up to the end of this week's episode, the fifth episode in season five of the Guitar Nerds podcast. Philip and I are going to head over to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Guitar Nerds. You can join us there too, dear listener. Um, We're going to be talking about, I want to ask Philip about some ridiculous guitars that he saw, some proper 10 granders that he even considered well, I don't know if he actually seriously considered, but still, I want to. Uh, I want to talk about those, um, and then maybe we'll talk about some other weird guitars. There was also um, a pretty good question from Ben Caffrey about stereo rigs and what to use with those. So maybe we'll talk about that as well. Um, before we go, I just want to thank all of our top tier, our ten dollar tier, tier Patreon supporters. I want to thank them all by name for being such wonderful people and supporting the podcast. And allowing us to do this. Um, so thank you very much to Nicholas Strom, to Rocket Rob Patterson, to Phil Sadler, Marcus Deluxe, Suresh, Dorsonic Pickups, Rob Witherden, Anton Fryant, Barry Gresbick, Steve Davis, John Conaway, Yogi the Guitarist, Ty Allen, Carl Harris, Sean Hughes, Andy Hoffler, Eric Hemmer, Jeffrey Wax, Dan Pilver, Brian Einsler, Dylan Griffiths, Mark Kazal Kadawaki, Eric File, Peter Pesce, Chris Franklin, Andy Manley, Joe Puttick, Blake Wyland, Phil Radomski, Dave Lee, Ross Edwards, Jason Wharton, James Dorr, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, Abe Matthews, Christopher Loseth, Stephen Burke, Robin Smith, Kytopia the Band, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Rob Nordvik, Scott O'Brien, and of course, Moog Gravit. Thank you all. You're wonderful. Um, and on that note, thank you very much, Philip, for joining us again. I'm happy to be here. I love the yelling about amps. It's always <laughs> it's my favorite pastime. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. Well, let's go continue that pastime over on the Patreon. We'll be back next week, dear listener, with more of this guitar nerdery. Farewell. Adios. Adios.